Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church in Wilson, Oklahoma, preaching the weekly teaching and preaching ministry of the church. We are grateful that you are choosing to join us today. Our prayer is that you are blessed by today's study of God's Word, and your heart will be receptive to what God desires to teach you today. For more information about FBC Wilson, please visit our website at fbcwilson.org. We hope you enjoyed today's service, and we look forward to studying God's Word with you today. Father, we are so grateful that you give us truth that we can sing to you. Father, we are grateful of the salvation that you've made possible through your Son. God, we're grateful for the birth, the death, the resurrection, the life that we have in Jesus. Father, as we come to this Christmas season, I pray that we will celebrate Celebrate the hope that we have in your Son. And God, I pray that as we go throughout this time, the Father, that our joy will not be determined and influenced by those around us, but Father, we will be reminded on a regular, daily basis that we have a hope and a joy in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we go throughout this service, the Father, that you would speak through Brother Paul. Father, that you would speak to our hearts. And Father, we be receptive to what you have to say to us this morning. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. As I said in the vlog, is that the way you say it? In the vlog. As I said in the vlog, we have a special treat this morning. Um, Brother Paul Tinley will be um, teaching and sharing with us God's Word. We have about a two-minute, two-minute, 45-second video we're going to watch before he comes. So if you would please direct your attention to the screen. Um, And once that video is over, Brother Paul will come. Well, it's not not camp tomorrow. Uh, This was... uh, this uh, video was uh, presented to the Lifeway uh, uh, camp a uh, year, year and a half ago. And uh, so we're taking advantage of being able to show it to you. It is a special blessing to, to be with you this morning. Um, my wife and I have uh, served 35 years in, in Venezuela and Colombia. Uh, we are retired now supposedly, and uh, the, we have found that, that um, uh, with WhatsApp, uh, here in the States you don't use WhatsApp that much, but uh, overseas everybody has WhatsApp, and that is a way of communication, and now we are receiving, uh, uh, we receive messages daily and uh, are in communication with those folks that we we have ministered to throughout the years. This morning, we received a message from the grandson of the of one of the guys that uh, was a deacon of the first church that we ever were part of in in Venezuela, and he's in Mexico, and he writes and says, "I need some some help." 
And so it's these things that, that continue to keep us <laughs> involved, even though we are in a different, different venue. But I, I do believe the Lord continues to, to use his people wherever it is that, that he places them. And I want to thank you for, for you guys. Uh, it's churches like this one uh, in Oklahoma and all across the United States have, have made it possible that for 180 years, the International Mission Board has been able to continue sending missionaries out to the far corners of the world with the one purpose of being able to share Jesus with those who are living in darkness, those who have, don't have hope. And it is getting to where it is harder and harder to get to the frontiers of of missions, aware people have not heard about Jesus. Uh, an example of this is uh, our daughter and her husband have been with the IMB for 20 years, and for uh, up until uh, two years ago, they served in uh, the Amazon uh, basin. And they were, uh, their task was to try to reach uncontacted uh, indigenous tribes in Peru and, and Brazil. These are indigenous groups that haven't even come out of the jungles. You know, it is extremely difficult and dangerous to, to even get close to them, but they are finding ways in which, which uh, the close by, what they call cousins, you know, that are uh, indigenous groups that have heard the gospel and help them to be able to be at the forefront, to be able to, when they do come out, to be able to touch their hearts and their lives with, with Jesus. So, but to get to where they had to go gets expensive. And so the push to be able to get to those places is, is more of a challenge. But thank you for being faithful in your giving, thankful for being faithful in your praying for, uh, for your missionaries. We are your missionaries because it is because of the cooperative program, because of your participation in the cooperative program, because you give, you know, those envelopes, <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, uh, when you give an offering, that money goes directly to missionaries serving on the field. And we were, uh, especially these last five years, we received a great deal of benefit from our work with uh, Venezuelan refugees. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, our, our projects took a, a good portion of, uh, of the funds that were uh, delegated for the Americas because it was a huge, huge crisis. And the Lord put us in, in that position, thrust us in a position that we were not ready for, prepared for, but yet everything that the Lord had done in our lives previous came to be a part and useful for being able to minister to Venezuelans. And you saw the video and the ones who were in Sunday school this morning, you know, heard the huge, 
huge crisis that is going on in Venezuela. And now that crisis is actually spreading all over uh, Latin America and on into Europe and other places. Uh, the Venezuelans actually, the first, and there's eight million Venezuelans that have left their country because of the economic and political crisis. At first, they were headed towards the south. It was the first uh, immigration, huge immigration of peoples in, in, Latin, in the Americas that was not headed this way. Well, COVID changed that. And now they are arriving at our doorstep. They're in our neighborhoods. They are in our cities. And you may, they, they don't stand out that much because we have a, a huge number of Hispanics, but they're there. And just to give you an example of this, we live in uh, Broken Arrow, and we have a park that's a, a block away. And so my wife and I were walking around, around the park, and there was a group of uh, young ladies that were playing kick, uh, kickball. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then as, I, as we got closer, realized, oh, they're all speaking Spanish. And then as we listened even more, I said, ah, oh, they're speaking Venezuelan Spanish. I mean, there is a distinction. And, and sure enough, when we came around and talked, it was a group of Venezuelans who had immigrated to Tulsa, to the Tulsa area. And so they're there. So now we have, our mission field has uh, followed us. So, so they're here. So thank you. Thank you also for sending. You know, for going and for sending. And this is uh, four parts. You pray. Please take one of those prayer brochures and pray, pray through this, this week. And, and on farther. Pray for your missionaries. Thank you for giving. Would not have been possible for us to go it weren't for the giving of Southern Baptist. Thanks for going. It's not just career missionaries that go. It's people in, in the, the pews. How many of y'all have gone on overseas uh, missions, mission trip? Okay, we do have some on this side. Thank you for going. And let me know, let me tell you that Oklahoma Baptist just two weeks ago in the convention, presented a, a goal that every single Southern Baptist church in Oklahoma send at least one volunteer in 2024 overseas for a mission endeavor. So y'all already have it, this young lady who's going to Uganda, but it can be more than just one. And so I would encourage you to think and pray about that because it is a life-changing experience to be able to go with others and to be able to present the gospel cross-culturally and to be able to see brothers and sisters in Christ who are living their life in Christ in a very different way you know, context and what we have here. And we can learn from them. So I would encourage you to go. 
It's not impossible. There is a church in southwestern Oklahoma, smaller community than this. I think they have a community of 300 people. And they have been sending teams, three or four per year. And they say, we don't know where the money comes from, but the Lord provides. So I will encourage you to that. And then sending, and that is what you're doing. What's your name? She will be sent out from this church. And I appreciate that. And I hope that she's not the only one, but there would be others, young people. It is a privilege to serve the Lord, whether it be here or overseas. So I would encourage you in that, and I want to thank you for that. And let me tell you that in the 175 years of Southern Baptist foreign missions. It has been held up, not. It has been strengthened and, what is it, impulsado? Carried out. I need my translator at times. Carried out, not by the big churches, but it's the small churches. Right now, we've been, we were talking about the uh, coming here, all the missionaries that we worked with from Oklahoma, They all came from small Oklahoma towns. So you can have an impact in your praying, in your giving, in your going, and your sending. And we just have to trust the Lord that he will use us, use you for his glory and honor. We have been uh, changing gears We've been talking about, about a, a, a major crisis. Let me uh, tell you, you know, read a major crisis that occurred to the church in Acts 8.1. And this was the beginning of something big that God is doing. In Acts 8.1, and, and you will recall that in Acts 7, It was the martyrdom of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And in uh, 8.1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles, Devout men buried Stephen and made, and made great lamentation for, over him. But Saul was ravishing the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. That was a crisis. Things were going well up until that point. The church was growing in Jerusalem and Judea. And then suddenly Stephen... Uh, gets into a conversation with the, with the Jews, and that conversation led to his death. And it was the explosion that occurred from that that scattered the believers all over the map. They could not stay there. It says that the apostles stayed. And I'm sure others did too. But suddenly they were scattered across the face of the earth. 
And if we follow the book of Acts, you will see, you know, it will we'll take the, the story of Stephen as he goes to the, uh, to the Samaritans. And then from there, one person takes the gospel to the Ethiopians on into Africa. And from there, they, you follow the movement of the gospel through people that have been scattered. The movement was, was not... I'm sure there was other believers that had, had traveled on their own volition, but this was kind of the, the explosion. They cast them out. And as they went... They shared the gospel. You know, the Cornelius received the gospel because of Peter. And we can just see the movement. And what I love in, in uh, the, the founding of the church in Antioch, it says that these who were scattered went along. And as they went along, they were seeking out other Jews to tell them about Jesus. But I love it. Doesn't even say who they are, but he says, but some sort of crossed the street and went to the Gentiles, people that were not their language, their culture. It wasn't like them. And they crossed the street to take them the good news of Jesus. And from there, the first multicultural church was founded in Antioch. And what's the importance of the church in Antioch? Who can tell me? It can't be the pastor. Yeah, it's, you know, if I was doing this, I'm usually doing storing, and I'm usually roaming the, the, <laughs> the aisles asking questions. Antioch was a church in which Paul, the Apostle Paul, was called to go as a missionary along with Barnabas. It was the first missionary sending church. And so the importance of it is extremely, you know, extremely important. Why do I tell you this? In our experience, as I, we shared with the group, before the crisis, my wife and I were teachers, we were trainers, we were helping train people to do church planting. I was a seminary professor at the seminary in, in, uh, in Caracas. And then we were thrust into this crisis of Venezuelans that were scattered out all over the world, literally all over the world. And here we were placed in the middle of this crisis. And as we shared, we, you know, we could see everything that God did to be able to minister and to bring help to the Venezuelans. Now, what's the positive side to that? The positive side to that was one, something that I had... God had placed me in a position to be able to talk with Colombian Baptists, Colombian believers. You know how it is when, 
when there's homeless people or there's people that are not like you? What is, what is sort of the feeling? They're almost invisible to us. We ask the question, how can we help them? What can we do? And sometimes we say, I can't do anything, so... And that was a little bit of what our, Vene our Colombian brethren were doing. The streets, I mean, you'd go by a street corner and there was a Venezuelan and say, can you help me? You know, I'm, I'm needing a place to stay, need some food, clothes, whatever. And, and they didn't know what to do. But I did tell them, I said, listen, the mission field is walking by the front of your church. People that need, that are in a position right now to, to receive whatever help that you can give them, both physically and also spiritually. Even saying, hey, giving them a pat and saying, I see you. Let me pray for you. Here, here's a glass of water. Here's just anything that would be able to say, I see you. And God sees you. And we started to see in the, our Colombian brethren, as they started seeing that, and a small, in the, in the two examples that I have, one church in, in Pereira, the pastor, you know, he, as he drove around, as he's, he's out on the streets and everything, always there on the street corner for Venezuelans that were needing at least something to eat. And he said, what can we do? We're a small church. But he said, we're going to do something. So they banded together, and they started bringing, uh, you know, potatoes and, and whatever the... the to fill up the pot and have a stew. And every afternoon, they would invite Venezuelans in, come on in, we have showers, we have bathrooms. Come here and make yourself at home and have something to eat. And as he shared the testimony about how God started providing, you know, there was... He, he said he came five times to where he said, God, we don't have anything else. What else can we do for them? We're out. I mean, we got to shut this down. And every single time the Lord said no. And he provided for them. And I, when I went to visit them, they had a hundred Venezuelans in there every afternoon and they were ministering to them, sharing Jesus with them. And this was a small church that said, we don't have it, but God does. And God has this plan. The other church, it's a small church up in the coast of, Venezuela, of uh, Colombia, up on the coast. Okay, It's 30 miles from the, the border with Venezuela. And so there's a lot of people that were coming across that way. 
And the same thing happened. They started seeing the needs of the Venezuelans. And this church in particular, what caught their attention was that the kids, I mean, the parents were out trying to find work, trying to find a way to, to make a living. They were out on the streets and everything, and they were dragging their kids along with them. And one of the, the ladies says, I'm a school teacher. They're not going to school. And we have a church building. Let's use it to teach, to bring, have them bring their kids, leave, leave their kids with us. We'll teach them. We'll give them a meal. And that way the parents can try to find jobs. This was a small church. Robin calls it the little church that could. And the same thing. They kept saying, oh, we don't have enough resources. But the Lord brought resources. And one of the resources for both the churches was the Sin Relief Organization that is part of Southern Baptist. Part of the Lottie Moon, you know, receives funds from the... Uh, Lottie Moon's uh, Christmas offering. And the Send Relief is the humanitarian side of the International Mission Board. And it can get into places where, as missionaries, we can't. In Muslim countries and other places doing humanitarian aid. And so they, we were able to get some projects with them. And so these two churches continued working. What I love about the one up on the coast Eight Oklahoma uh, students from OBU went there, spent three weeks serving alongside this church and loving on the kids. And none of them could speak Spanish, but they loved on the kids. And you wouldn't have uh, those kids just boohooed when they left. But they had an impact, and they had an impact on, on people's on the families. So I, I, I talk about that to say this is, you know, in, in times of crisis, we see God's hand of mercy and he is working and he is working powerfully. All we have to do is say, Lord, here am I. What can I do? What do you want me to do? He just needs availability from us. Another part of this story are the Venezuelans. As they're cast down, the ones who have not heard of Christ, who have not given their life to Christ, it's in those moments, in this time, and that's one of the message that I, I gave the, the walkers, the ones who were doing all their walking. I said, you have an opportunity right now to talk with the living God. Have a conversation with him. He knows you. He loves you. He knows what needs you have. And if you will trust him and you will talk with him, you will see that he is faithful and he is true. And so many Venezuelans have come to know the Lord because of this situation, which they would not have 
in Venezuela. The other part, this is, this is, this is a tangled web of, of things that God is doing in, in, in this. Among the, the, the immigrants, our churches in Venezuela lost 30 to 40% of their membership. Imagine that, Pastor, if 40% left almost overnight. That would be pretty difficult. And among them were pastors. Among them were missionaries. And they were spread to the four corners of the world. Just in Colombia, they would arrive at the churches. And this is the one thing that God prepared from beforehand. As we went through you know, the 10, 15 years of the crisis, political and economic crisis, God was working on his church in Venezuela. My wife and I were spending a lot of time training young people, young people, to prepare to be missionaries among the indigenous and in North Africa, Africa, Central Asia, and so there was this thing that was percolating within, within Venezuelan young people and the churches, a desire to take the gospel to other places outside of Venezuela. Well, guess what? The Lord thrust out all these young people to Argentina, to Chile, to Peru, to Australia, to Spain, the United States. And it's in those places that these who had already had a, a spark and a desire to be used of the Lord, they were placed in places where they could start churches, share the gospel. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing. In Colombia, Okay, I will say, I'll be honest with you, the Colombian Baptists uh, were kind of set in their ways. And so the Venezuelans who had, they had in their DNA that you, a church starts a church. And so they would come into these congregations and they would sit there and they would listen and, and say, Where's the missions? Where are you planning churches? Pastor would say, mm, no, we're not planning a church. We're just here. And the Venezuelan would say, that's not what the Bible says. And now, in Colombia, 25 new churches have been planted by Venezuelans. Just on the border, there's five of them. And in, in uh, Bogota, that only had 13 Baptist churches in a population of 10 million. Now there's, 10, there's five new churches that are being planted by Venezuelans. And it's being an example to our Colombian brethren. And they are catching the vision. And all of this comes <clears throat> from crisis. Now, I wouldn't want 
a crisis to be what spreads us all over the place. But I would encourage you to say, Lord, how do you want me to be used by you? Be there locally. It could be the other places. But do not, you know, I encourage you, don't limit God. God has so much that he's doing. And he wants to use folks like you, like me. Young people, he wants to do great things in and through you. Don't limit him. After 35 years of being in missions, my wife and I look back and say, thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of being able to serve. It's been well worth it. Easy? No. Worth it? Yes. It is worth serving the Lord. And I can't say this in, in lo poco y lo... In, lar, in small ways and large ways. You know, start with the small and you'll see what the Lord will do. So that's a little bit of our story. Actually, it's not our story. It's God's story. It's God's story of what he wants to do in and through each one of us for his glory and honor. In crisis and out of crisis. So let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you. I want to thank you for this congregation, for your people that gather here in this place. And Father, I pray that you would just show yourself mighty in them, among them, around them. And Lord, that you would use them for your glory and honor. Lord, to take the gospel, to take the gospel to others here in this community across Oklahoma and across the world. Lord, and may you be honored through them. So Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at FBC Wellston. We would love to hear from you or connect with you if you will visit our website at fbcwellston.org. Please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.